right. Hey, good evening. We are back. This is appointed, the appointed view, excuse me. And we are in Las Vegas, Nevada. <clears throat> we are gathered around a dining room table tonight instead of out at Starbucks. And so we won't have the uh, sirens or the people screaming in the background this time or the bad Starbucks music. So uh, thanks for joining us and thanks for being with us. This week, uh, we are around the table we have Corey, Dylan, Isaac, Andrew, Bob, and Brian, and uh, we will be uh, looking at and discussing and just having a conversation about uh, the topic of and the concept of generosity and looking at that from, uh, from a biblical perspective and uh, reading and hearing from the scriptures and then uh, talking through that. How does that play out in our lives? What does that look like? And what is that? Uh, how does that affect us? So that's where we are tonight, and uh, so we're going to jump in and and make that happen. So part of the, one of the scriptures we're looking at is out of Ephesians chapter one, verses three through ten, and I will go ahead and read that. I'll try to read it slow enough, but fast enough so it doesn't take forever, and uh, we will uh, go from there. But it says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him from the creation of the world, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And that is Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 10. So if you have a Bible, if you're trying to figure out a Bible, uh, you can go online and look at the Bible, but it's, it's the book of Ephesians, New Testament book written by the Apostle Paul, verse chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. And that was the in New International Version, by the way. <clears throat> so there we go. That was a mouthful. That was a lot to take in. It's like a fire hose uh, coming at you. and But it's loaded uh, with all sorts of... Uh, What's the word I'm looking at? All sorts of uh, verbiage that, that shows how good and how amazing and how generous God is. And again, tonight, and as we talk to talk around the, the table here, how does that affect you? How does that affect us? How do you view God and his generosity in that? And how are we supposed to allow that to affect us? And how are we supposed to be generous? Uh, what does that mean for us? Um, so there we go. Let's jump in, uh, read, and and look at that, talk through that. Um, just pull out words that uh, that uh, represent God's generosity. And I'll say, I'll, I'll just start. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Showing God's giving heart and attitude towards us. So jump in, gentlemen, don't let it be dead air. And and what does that mean? And, and how does that sound? And what does that do? And and how does that affect us? How is it how should it affect us? The, well I think sometimes it we forget we forget about the blessings God has bestowed upon us and you know we go about our lives and we forget how privileged we are and where we're at and um, pretty much what when I read this it's like why should you love Jesus and it's because he loved you first and and um, that's what I'm taking away from from it right now Okay, so as you read through it, thank you, uh, Corey. As you read through it, yank out a word that jumps at you and shows and speaks to God's heart 
and generosity and goodness and kindness towards us. Uh, just a word or a phrase. And then be prepared to say something about it. Uh, it says, for he chose us and him before the creation of the world. Like he, he was thinking about us before he even made the earth and and everything. Like he had us in mind before he started the whole process of making what we know of the world today. Is, so. Which I can hear and see says he had a plan for us well in advance, an amazing plan. And we're not an accident. Right. A word or phrase that jumps out at you or a concept that maybe makes you go, huh? What does that mean? What, 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 what do we do? What do we do with that? Verse 5 jumps out at me when it says he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I don't know, I just find that interesting that he predestined for us to be his children before we were born. And he's like, hey, you were mine. Okay. And why does that stick out be Beyond that, how can how can we jump into that? Anybody jump into that that whole phrase that, that Dylan just uh, brought out, which is a very significant uh, part of theology and doctrine that that many many uh, churches and many denominations uh, jump all over and, and embrace the concept of adoption. And uh, predestination is, a, is another topic that, that gets a lot of attention. Um, maybe for the right reason, maybe not for the right reason. Um, well, he wants us to he wants us to follow him. But what I, it's the end of that whole thing is what stands out to me, according to his pleasure and will. Like, you know, he's. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but he loves the fact he, he loves it when we follow him. Like it gives the Lord pleasure and to to know that we are if 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 he predestined us for adoption to sonship, that doesn't mean it necessarily happens. But I think he gets pleasure out of the fact that we strive to make that connection with him to have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And that he's made it possible. Right. Because we can jump all over the word adoption. As we understand adoption, what does that mean? Um, what is adoption? Voluntary. Voluntary, right? Right. You know, you know, you're part of the family now. You're, you know, you're not just an orphan. You have, a, you have a family. You, have, you belong. You belong to some, mm -hmm. someone. So you, know, you now have a mom. You now have a dad. You know, you mm -hmm. have a, a, a parent. You know, you're almost whole now. Yeah. You have a family now. Okay. Instead of all by good. yourself, now you're a, a unit. Very good. <clears throat> Someone that, that would give you more um, meaning, more fulfillment, more um, at peace, so to speak. Maybe before when you were stressed and didn't know what was going to happen and nobody loved you, and and uh, now you have your family push you, God's love all coming together. Very good. <clears throat> Someone's like taking you under their wing. You're being. <clears throat> You're being found, and so you're being brought in, and now you, you know, you're part of something bigger than what you had before. 
which which says that God never wants us. His His plan was that we would all be, we would not be alone, we would not be orphaned, spiritually, emotionally, <coughs> mentally, physically, all that. That that we would be connected, primarily to Him, but but sin, but sin kicked us out of the family, if you would. But God says no. I want you to be in my family. And and like Isaac said, no, more, no longer lost, but found, no longer alone, but you have, you're complete, you're made, you're given identity. Go ahead. It's part of the, the uh, adoptive thing that, you know, that when you look up to your parents, now you look up to God more as a, as a more of a unit. Mm -hmm. Your family then got up there. So you just, it makes you whole, mm -hmm. you know, and you probably sit on the right track and he'll make, um, you'll make God, have, you know, please him that you're doing his work. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> An adoption in a legal sense means, as we understand that you are now family, you have to take on the name you take on and you can receive all the benefits of that family in that name. Right. Same with God, man. When we're adopted into his family, he makes it possible, then we get to receive all that he has to offer. That's huge. I mean, that's a generous God. And and, and, and we know how we, we admire, we respect, and we value those families that adopt children who otherwise don't have a family. We A lot of people say, I don't know that I could do that. They're not mine or whatever, but it seems like an adoption. There's, there's no, the lines aren't blurry. It's just you're mine, you're ours. We're family. Let's go. They're God's children. Yep. No matter yep. where they come from, they're still mm -hmm. His children. Yep. And God welcomes us in that way. He, he, the, the, there's no, once we, once we acknowledge Him and receive Him mm -hmm. as Lord, and He says you're mine. Let's go. There's no, there's no. Uh, looking in the rearview mirror going, remember, but you used to be, no, it's like, you're mine. Let's do this. So very good. Anyone else? What other words jump out? What other concepts jump out? In verse six, it says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Uh, again, just talking to God's character and his mindset of, he wants to, he freely gave and continues to freely give to us. There's no, no restrictions. No, no restrictions. restrictions. Oh, there you go. I like that. No limits. Yeah, your, your limits is what you say yourself. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, you have to do you know, five things to be accepted or, you know, embraced like other people. Here it's like, everything's possible. There are no right. limits. I like that. <clears throat> which sets um, us apart from other religions mm -hmm. where they have a box to check off, a real physical box to check off, mm -hmm. where we, we don't, which I think is, is huge. It's mm -hmm. just, that's absolutely, you know, unscrubbed huge. And everything in that, in a lot of those religions, you have to earn your way to be received, yes, and that's and that's what you mean. So, when you have to, you have to, like you say, check off boxes. You have to do certain things in order to even get God's attention, or the, or your, or the higher power's attention. Okay, to the next step. Yep. Or go to the next room, or the yep. next event. Yep. The next level, next whatever level, it is. Yeah. 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 Level. There is no proving yourself to God that you're worthy. <clears throat> right. Because we're not. But he doesn't let that stop him. Right. And he doesn't want that to stop us from pursuing him because he continues to pursue us. We're not worthy in terms of our sin and who we are, but he, through Jesus Christ, makes us worthy. It's crazy. It really is. And we're always worthy because, you know, that's what we discussed. Yeah. 
Another thing I, I uh, like is it says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. And, um, you know, I read that just thinking, you know, people read the Bible and, you know, they want to read it like a book of science, like try to make fact out of everything. And um, I think it's funny because it's like he made to, known to us the mystery of his will. Like we, we aren't God and you know, there's no way that you can expect to know exactly what God's thinking. But it just, it goes back to, I think it's, you know, if you read the Bible, you're, you're discovering the mystery of his, of his will. It's not, it's not a book of, of science that some people read it as. And it's like they're missing, it's, it's you're missing the whole point of it. And I think right here, it just kind of states that it's interesting that he, it, he actually is sharing with us what he's trying to teach us, but you know, it's not always taken the, in the right way. I guess. Mm -hmm. so. And there's beauty in the mystery and there's adventure in the mystery of learning. And God reveals it to us. Maybe not all at once. He doesn't just go bang, just dump it all. But he, he reveals it to us in, in bits and pieces at times, some larger, some smaller. But it's part of the, the beauty of the fact that he wants us to know. He's, and he's not trying to keep it from us. But he's also developing in us faith and trust and risk factor with him to say, hey, God is who he says he is and I'm going to follow him. Um, so yeah. Um, and it's, and it's his pleasure to do that. And like, I think Bob said, or you said, or something, it, it's, it's his pleasure to see us serve him as well, but it's also his pleasure to give us and to give to us. Um, yeah. He enjoys that, you know? And so I think that's cool. So, so as we we're doing that, but I just want to, so as we think about God and his generosity and we're going to hit that word, what are the benefits of his generosity as you see through here? Some of the words that jump out. You, you mentioned this, the mystery, the pleasure, adoption. What other words show the benefits of, of, of God's generosity towards us? Some of them are obvious. Some of them may not be as obvious. But uh, what's what jumps out um, at you at that point? Fulfillment. Fulfillment, okay. There you go. Redemption. Yep. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And grace. And grace. And knowledge, as you just mentioned previously, he made known to us. He gives us knowledge of who he is so that we understand his mind and his heart and his character. Um, and as you said, we can't comprehend him completely. But he, do, he doesn't have any problem giving us glimpses of who he is and saying that, you know, this is me. This is me. And in Christ, he did that completely. I mean, he came in Christ. Now, we didn't get to walk and hang out with Jesus, but uh, he, his, his pre presence here, his life and death and resurrection have impacted us for thousands of years now. So um, And so here's a word that I pointed out yesterday. Um, and not all, not all, not everyone was here, but in verse eight, let's word verse seven. In him we have redemption, and this is what uh, uh, Dylan pulled out this word redemption, which means we are we are bought back, we are redeemed, we are made whole, we are made valuable, we are we are made good, we are brought back from nothing. That, uh, without relationship with God, and we're brought into relationship with God. We're redeemed. And then it says, through in him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins, which uh, Corey brought out, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Now, when you think of the word lavish or lavished, what jumps out at you? What what what's the definition that comes to mind when you think of lavish or lavished? Lavish being a verb or adjective. Lavish being an active act of someone uh, doing that. Over the top. Over the top. Not, not just a couple of items, but 
a lot of items. The whole, the whole package is not um, pieces. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> like being generous. Mm. Yeah. Like, a, like a generous amount. Who else? When you think of lavish or lavished, because I've got some definitions here that I want to, I'll throw out at you and then we can kind of apply it to what you've been reading, but I want to hear from you. Um, we're looking over here, Andrew. Find out your own definition. You're <laughs> doubt. So what, if, what are you reading in your parallels, man? How does it break it down? I don't even have that word in here. Lavish? Mm -hmm. Okay, but what are you, what is your, what, what's your word? I don't know. Which part are we in? Verse 8. 8. Uh, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's what it says in the NIV. Yeah, I got Full measure. Full measure. Okay. Abounded toward. Abounded toward. All right. Uh, nothing about lavish. Okay. Cover something thickly or liberally with. Okay. Wow. Like, like she lavished our son with kiss with kisses. Okay. Is the uh... okay? I like that too. Yeah. I do. Yeah. A resident comedian is Andrew. Always has a comment. Um, I'm trying to be quiet. <laughs> So lavish, this is what I got, Webster's Online Dictionary. As an adjective, it means this, expending or bestowing profusely. Bahooing? Expending or bestowing profusely. Okay. Expended or produced in abundance. <laughs> Marked by profusion or excess. Now, as a verb... To expend or bestow with profusion. And then it's then it throws this word in there, to squander. Hmm. Now this is Webster's online dictionary. Sounds like a waste. You go that way. Listen to what he said. Sounds like a waste. You could take it that way too, the opposite. Mm -hmm. uh, total waste you can I mean the last one. Right, right. The opposite, but but then you know what did you say, um, uh, Corey? You said that he and and then put your definition in there. Um, well, co cover something that thickly. he covered something thickly, and I'm just putting in the scripture. I'm just throwing it in here. And then what was the rest of that definition you you said? Oh, to cover something thickly or liberally with. That he covered thickly and liberally us with all wisdom and understanding. Yeah. Bestowing something in generous or extravagant quantities. Bestowing something in extravagant quantities. That he bestowed something, he bestowed, what does it say? The grace. I think. That the, his, the grace. Yeah, and with the riches of God's grace that he bestowed in great quantity on us with all wisdom and understanding. So you start throwing that in there and then you start seeing how, and, and of course lavished is the word that was brought in. And I'm sure the theologians and the, the Greek scholars that worked on this and in this Bible, there were like 30 or 50 scholars that worked together on this. It's not just one guy. So they came together and they used the word lavished. And we think of a lavish lifestyle as something, as Bob said, which I like, over the top. Luxurious. Luxurious, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so God has gone over the top and luxuriously bestowed on us in great quantities all these things. And so and other synonyms to this verb were to heap, to pour, to rain, to shower. And then we got to go back to that word that they use and that he jumped in on squander. Has God squandered this stuff on us? 
Because because many times that word evokes the negative side. Mm-hmm. You you blew it. You wasted it. Or did someone just like someone with a lot of wealth? And I'm just going to use what we just happened last week, the Super Bowl. What did you say a basic ticket was going for at the end? Like five grand at least. $5,000 a ticket. And you know that there were people that squandered for their family and friends to go to that and drop that kind of money for that experience. And we step back and go, that's ridiculous. There's no way I'd do that. But that's what they wanted to do. Now they could do it. We understand that too. We think they could, they, could. Yeah, they could do it and they did it. It's couch change. Yeah. For some. Yeah. Couch change. For some. But you see, if we if we understand who God is, he has oh okay, okay. And we we'll we'll jump in. He owns everything and can do anything he wants. And he's done that. In fact, he squandered himself in Christ and gave himself away to us in Christ who gave his life away for us and was raised again from the dead to give us this amazing life of forgiveness and redemption. So now let's focus on the word real quick, generosity. What is generosity? Kindness. First word that pops in your mind, generosity, kindness. Give. Give. Yeah. Um, the opposite of Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Make it done. Using, using your heart to give a stone. Okay. Okay. Because you want to. Generosity. That's more of a voluntary. Voluntary. Okay. You're voluntarily giving whatever. Mm hmm. And so this is this is the God that we claim to know and serve. And this is the God who has blessed us. And, and this is why we gather around this, this table every Monday night. Because we've experienced the generosity of God in all this. Um, so um, before we... We'll wind out. What is that? How? Where are we at? We can we can edit that out, hopefully. But uh, um, how? What kind of picture does that draw then? Again, of God for you and me tonight. How generous is He? He's overwhelmingly generous. He has no limits. Doesn't make sense sometimes. Are we are we good at receiving all that he has for us and giving us? I mean not to answer that. I'm just thinking it's so much. How do you handle it? Hmm. And when we come back, we'll we'll go another direction with this, so We'll uh, get reset up and and click the go button again in a few minutes. So, hey, we're back and uh, we are going to uh, jump into this uh, discussion again. And this time we're going to go this angle with God's generosity that we have looked at and been uh, confronted with. How does that affect us in our lives? What does that mean? How does that translate to how we live and how we uh, offer our lives uh, to God and for God and for others? Andrew here came up with a great question. Maybe I should let him ask it instead of me. Uh, Does God know moderation? Great question. We heard about the fact that he lavished on us. And now we may think, as Andrew said, does God know or understand moderation? Who wants to jump on that? 
You know, we're, we're humans. We could never see God's, you know, we can think about the universe and how big the universe is and we're, our minds can't comprehend. So I, as much as he gives us this overwhelming love, I think he, he also does it in a way where he challenges us with it. And, and I don't think it's necessarily in a way that he does it to, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. He doesn't do it in a bad way. He does it in a way that will hopefully grow us deeper into understanding him and what he wants, um, wants of us in our lives. Um, what's, what was the question again? Sorry, I'm thinking too far. Does God know this yeah. Does God know moderation? Does God know moderation? Because everything we talk about is he's over the top. He oh, 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 overwhelming. Overwhelming. Well, that's like saying does God have any limits? Hmm. Oh. Good word. Or will God limit Himself and what He does for us? We can go nine million directions with that, but yeah, yeah. moderation. Mm. And I, you know, I would, you know, just being simply put, I don't think he does. I don't think he understands just going halfway, um, just because of what he did in Christ Jesus for us, becoming human, living among us, experiencing the things that, that he did, going through the death and 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 all for us. So then how does God see us in our everyday life? Like if we just, you know, half-ass something, does he look at it as, you know, with the glass half empty or half full? How does, he wants us to go all in. So if we only go halfway, God, God doesn't know any, you know? Mm-hmm. So does he look at that as, hey, you did good today? Or hey, you could work on this or, I don't know. And then there, I'm not going 100%. Am I still getting God's approval? And therein lies the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our willingness to surrender our lives to God at a, at a high level. The, the deeper we go with Him, the more we, and I don't, the more we exert, if you would, and the more we live for Him in a generous way. Uh, because you're right. I think, you know, that's a good question, but I think we, we limit ourselves and God understands that he works with us, even in our humanity. He has to, because we are human. He knows that when I say he has to, he's chosen to. Um, and there may be times through the Holy spirit, he kind of punches us in the arm and says, man, come on, there needs to be more. And it's not to belittle us, but to bless us because he said, when you, open up your life to me for more, guess what you get from me? More. So again, how does this translate? God is so generous to us, and if we claim to follow him, what does generosity look like in our lives? What should it look like? How does that play out in our lives? You know, kind of going back to, I don't know, like, you should love Jesus because he loved you first. You know, you should be generous because you should be generous to other people and love other people because that's what God has given us. He has given us generosity, so therefore we should show others generosity. Because ultimately, isn't that what he wants us to do? He wants us to go make disciples. The only way we're going to be disciples is if we look and act like Jesus. Spot on. We are called to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Um, now I lost my train of thought. But Gen- um, Generosity. Yeah, generosity. But... Um, I 
We shouldn't look like Ebenezer's group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we have seen, and then in Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 3 through 10, we just read that. And that then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, uh, I can't remember now. Um, what, what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Very simple, and that is what we are, is what it says. Somebody want to find that for me? First John chapter three, verse one, so that we read it correctly. Um, but this word lavished and how far God has gone for us. First John chapter three, verse one. Yep. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should we should be called children of God and that what we and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So in knowing God and yesterday uh, we in our gathering uh, our friend Kristen had a great past Kristen had a great uh, object lesson she had a large bucket filled with water and then there was a red bucket smaller uh, that represented us. And ultimately, she she shoved that bucket down in the water in the God bucket and said, this is how we need to live, completely immersed in God's goodness. And, and we're always covered in him. And if you and I, let me, let me think about this. When you hang out with certain people in your life, when you're around people, and you you do what they do, you become like these people you hang out with. You know, it's kind of a, a general basic principle that we've all, that's why parents yell at us, pick your friends wisely, because da-da-da-da, you know? Simple math. Yeah. You have smart, you hang with smart people, you got smart friends. <clears throat> and it affects you. Yo-yo people, you have yo-yo friends, yep. you know? So if you and I are immersed in and surrendered our lives completely to God, who are we going to become like? Like God in Christ Jesus. Who is God? What's his character? We just talked about it. He is a generous God. How's he been generous to you? How's he been generous to me? And then how does he want us to live that out? Um, let, me, let me read something here and then you can we can jump off of this too. Jesus calls us to quit evaluating every relationship based on fair treatment and reminds us that he lavished his love on us when we didn't deserve it. His ultimate generosity calls us to walk away from our demand for equal treatment. He calls us to give when others want to take. He calls us to share when others want to hoard resources. He calls us to lavish love when others want to give only what is deserved. It goes against the very fabric of our natural selfish condition. How does that play out and flesh out our lives? What, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me uh, in living a generous life? Um, we can talk in terms of money, but that's not what God's ultimately after. He's after us. And he wants us to be like him. So where does that lead us? Where does that leave us uh, in terms of this, this discussion on generosity? Uh, personally, how do, what does that do to us? What does that do to me? You know, I, I think of, you know, everything going, you know, oh, God wants us to go full go, 100%. You know, that's just the way I, you know, when I was in sports, you know, that's just how you we were driven, you know, in the mm -hmm. 80s, you got to be number one, you got to be a hundred percent. And sometimes I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. So I, I don't know. It's like, I'm always coming up with little excuses and I, and I just feel like God's just saying there, there, there are no excuses, no excuses. So eliminating those excuses as to why I can't be like God is, I don't know, something that I struggle with. But I don't know. That's, that's kind of like what I'm hearing because, you know, I don't think God expects us to be perfect. Nope. Agreed. Not. But I also think he wants us to be trying. And if we just sit back and keep making the same excuses, you know. 
And in that, I yeah, I think that just yeah disappoints him. I think I think what uh, you know Andrew mentioned a little bit ago, this fire hose of God that He just keeps blowing it at us, man, and dumping it on us and and making it available to us, and we're the quote unquote uh, receptacle, if you want to call it that, or 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 yeah, you know, if we if we limit our if we limit how much we want to receive of God, because we can do that. I'll only go this far, God, because I don't want to get too much of you in me, because that means you're going to want more of me. And we can we can cap it and say, every I'll take this just this much amount of you, and then I'm going to live with just what I know. So that's and and God knows that about us. But the more we open ourselves up and say, "Okay, God, I want more of you. I want to understand. I just, you know, keep cranking the fire hose on me. I want to receive it." At some point, we don't have a choice because, like the the fire hose and the floods and everything, once that gets going, there's no stopping it in us, and we're moved along, and we're 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 we become what do you mean? we we're out of control then, and it's God's life flowing into us that begins to control us and, and move us. And and then sometimes it's not even an effort to be like him per se. It's just who we are because we're caught up in him, who he is. Um, you know, in, in dealing with people, uh, you know, uh, all of us though around the table have stories, but, you know, Dylan and Isaac work, Dylan works in fast food, Isaac works in theater. You're dealing with crazy people that come in. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you handle people? How can you be generous in your dealings with them, honoring God, even though they may be extremely wrong? You know, how do you, we got to think through that. How do you deal with families, uh, Corey, that you teach and when they just want to disrespect you? How do you deal with coworkers that don't want to do their job and you get stuck doing their job? Uh, Andrew or something, how do you deal with obstinate people out there and neighbors or whatever? How do, how do we do that, you know, and, and in life and, and, and how can we then express and, and live like God who's extremely generous with us and merciful when we're nothing but jerks towards him, you know? So, you know, when people are giving us excuses and, whatnot or whatever might be a hard time acting negative. You know, we do the same thing to God all the time. Why not? At least I know I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to be very careful when we start throwing rocks at people because we're like, oh, wait a minute, I need to look at my own life. You know, how, how am I handling this? How am I living? Yeah. So I'll, re- I'll read some more. This is from a book called uh, Gener- A Generous Life, uh, Applause Not Included. That's the title of the book. His mercy was delivered to me when I didn't deserve it. So I am to lavish on others a generous portion of love, mercy, hope, and forgiveness. I'm to offer my first fruits. My gifts are to be pressed down, shaken together, running over. It doesn't matter if the people I serve deserve it. I don't give because they give. I give because he gave. The measuring stick, the only source of reciprocity, is Jesus. I give my life out of respect of his sacrificial love for me. That is generosity. Agree, disagree, comment, discussion. Why don't we want to live like that? Well, you know, it's like God gives you this life. It's like, here you go. Here's your life. Now give it back to me. And it's like, well, wait a second. You just gave me this life. I'm going to go do this, 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 and this. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, that's not what I call you to do. And it's just tough Mm -hmm. because, you know. It's the paradox of the gospel. Right. Give your life away and you'll find it. Hold on to your life and you'll lose it. It doesn't make sense, but that's what I've called you to. 
And that means we wind up not living for ourselves. We wind up not worshiping ourselves. We wind up not doing everything for us because we wind up loving God and worshiping him first. And in that we love others. And in that he then blesses us and gives us life. Um, That's the tough call and the tough uh, growth journey in following Jesus. Uh, Giving my life away, letting go and not trying to live for myself and not giving to people what they deserve. If they're only this kind to me, then I'm going to only be that kind to them. Um, You know, I only make this much money, so I'm only going to give this much money or I'm not going to give any at all because I'm not wealthy. So I don't think God expects anything of me. Yet we can see throughout scripture, many times people had very, 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 very little still gave. And that's what God and God blessed them and and it was used. Uh, that's just one element of it. But in our living, um, what are we willing to do? Are we willing to not be in charge? Are we willing to not... Uh, not control what we give and what we receive? Are we willing to let God do that? So besides Corey and I, you guys, other guys have brains, talk to us. What's going on? We should hardly go out there and give and not, you know, put limits on our limits our generosity. You know, if he's willing to, you know, lavish upon we should lavish upon others and mm-hmm. limits because limits like you're only you're only good for X number of whatever or mm. whatever. Mm. You know, best limits shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, <coughs> part of the equation. All right. I like that because you're right. God doesn't look at us and go, well, you're worth this much and quantifies it. I'm going to only give you this much blessing. You know, and we, we can certainly do that. And we, okay, I'll just speak to myself. I've done that. And, you know, that's not a godly attitude. That's not a, a generous attitude. It's just, it's a calculated one. It doesn't look like God calculated his goodness to us. He just did it. Knowing that many would say, "Mm, sorry, God, I don't buy it. I'll do my own thing. And then he also knew there'd be many who would say, yes, God, I received that. Let's go. So, I'll read this um, last piece and uh, then we can maybe wrap it up or final comments if I am to be like Jesus I am to generously pour my life into others as an act of unbridled grace I am not to take on the mentality of a back scratcher which is I'll give when I'm given to in an equal measure I will look at the cross see the overwhelming love and self-sacrifice of someone else paying for my sin and embrace its call to a life that imitates that kind of generosity. So as we wrap it up, at the very end, man, everything points back to the cross and what God did for us there and how he lavished his love on us for our redemption and our forgiveness. And he's calling us to follow him in that that life. And... He's not calling us to do it in our own strength. He's saying, you need me to live like me. Mm-hmm. So that's when you say, dear God, take my life, send, pour your Holy Spirit into me so that I can live like you. Otherwise, I'm done. And it's, you know, when we've 
I don't know where you've been in your personal uh, spiritual journey, but if you've been in a place where you've just let go and said, I'm yours, Lord, and he's used you, uh, it's an amazing experience. And then, you know, maybe you've done that and then pulled back and said, that's, I don't know, I've got to pay this, I've got to do this, I've got to make sure that, I've got to, and all the stuff comes in, but he's, he's still calling us to love and to live generously and to see people as he sees them, to see the world as he sees the world, to approach life as he approached uh, us. So, last comments and then we can wrap it up. Anybody? Don't be selfish. Give. I guess going off what Bob was saying, we don't really have any reason not to be generous. We don't we don't really have any reason not to give back because God's given us a lot and he's done a lot for us. So why should we not do that for other people? What reason do we have not to give and be generous towards the guy on the street, towards the guy that we work with? We don't have any reason not to not to do what God's doing. And I think we need to remember that in this, we can be generous to God. He may not need what, he doesn't need us, but when I, we just say, God, you got, my, you got everything about me. We're just being generous back to him, to the God who's been generous to us. And in that, then we can then serve those around us. All right. Well, thanks, man. Let's uh, wrap it up. Lord God, lead us and help us to understand and know how generous you are and help us to live generously. Amen. Amen.